0: Before the penguin. Before the cat. Shall we dance? (laughs) Spend an evening with the man who started it all. Me? Jack Nicholson. (laughs) Michael Keaton. We've got a flying mouse to kill. Nice outfit. Batman Wednesday. Uh, yeah. yeah, we're recording okay.
1: now. <laughs> I didn't know what you were clicking on, but it's like I can just tell, like, browsers and things are going on. Uh, <laughs> I'll start
0: at, at, I i I and me to start that new project thing.
1: And Alright, so, uh, yeah, we're at the ten and a half minute mark for, uh, Batman 89, and this is, uh, where I mentioned in our last, uh, episode on this film, our minute and a half discussions of them that, uh, I didn't quite realize as a kid that we were dealing with a dirty cop uh here they uh make it known although I would forgotten that uh Jack Napier played by Nicholson here will soon be the Joker uh I had it in my mind that he tosses him um just like a wad of cash I didn't realize that we're also getting like a fat joke in there as well as far as like here's a sandwich for you <laughs> like you're hungry <laughs> you know going alongside the cash um but the, the basic uh, gist of this scene is that uh, Napier uh, is establishing that he will be the, uh, the future king of the criminal underworld. So basically, you know, watch who you're watch who you're talking to. Um, right. Our dirty cop here does not share that enthusiasm for his possible rule. Basically, saying I think he calls him what an A one nut boy. Uh, like there is no. Uh, direct line to the throne because uh, you're just a little bit un- unhinged and um, right. I don't know if we've seen that just yet other than his uh, as we've talked no. about his dangerous actions of messing with the criminal crown as far as having an affair There's with his nothing. woman I've not yet seen him um, you know, doing Joker like things but I kind of like, uh. like the way that plays I like the whatever this is this version of world building Clearly, he's got a past where the trauma he goes through when he becomes the Joker, um, it's not like he becomes a completely different personality. There is some sort of history as far as his rising through the ranks of crime that this version of the Joker character, even before he was the clown version, that there was something just off-putting about him. And I guess I'm glad that there's a lot of dialogue to establish that because otherwise I would just assume it's Jack Nicholson. Everyone enjoys being around him even if he is a criminal
0: you saying you wouldn't have wanted any sort of, uh, I guess a uh, nugget, like supplemental nugget of a scene that would have just shown him being a little too excessive I don't or
1: want the walking Phoenix version. I don't want Jack Nicholson climbing in a refrigerator or anything. I don't, I don't, I, I, I like that. It's, I mean, it, he looks insulted and there's certainly a gleam in his eye of like, yeah. Oh, someone's challenging me. Like I can't wait to do something to this man in front of me. Um, But he he restrains himself. It's like, this is a guy that truly believes that he will be in charge. So it's like he's putting whatever his version of the best foot forward is of, I won't go fully on tilt here, but man, I sure enjoy it when I do. Like, there's that little hint of joy uh, that Nicholson plays here of like, I want to to be openly crazy, but I won't because wearing a suit and tie. I know, I know the responsibilities that comes with being a, a mob boss. So I'll just hold it. I'll hold it together for
0: now. So the him finding the vat of acid just really just killed his inhibition. How do you hide it? How, <laughs> do, how do you hide it, it at that
1: point? Like, you know, you look like a freak. So make yeah. play apparently to the hill, which
0: we, I'm, We've got to talk about that it's a, when we get to one of those scenes, and I know we will um what, let me I won't say anything about let it me now. ask a
1: podcast question at what point if we're doing like it's not quite minute by minute, but that's like an established yeah. genre in the movie podcast field uh what point do you think uh the the movie allows us to kind of just go off the rails like uh because this is we're still i mean you know obviously twelve minutes into this it's still establishing characters, so uh when we talk about these these scenes, we're having to say, okay, this yeah. is the dirty cop, this is the journalist, uh, this is Jack Napier, he's not the Joker. <laughs> Just a, a ballpark guess. What, do you, what minute marker do you think we hit where it's like, okay, now we're fully into superhero comic book territory.
0: How, how long, what, what's the runtime for this film? Do
1: we know? Uh, it's oh. two hours can... and six minutes. Is the, I'm two hours and six yeah. minutes.
0: I'm going to say at the um, if one minute mark. No, forty-seven. Forty-seven. And and here's what here's what my guess is. As that that's somewhere around. Um, no, yeah. Okay, let me revise this one more time. We'll say we'll say somewhere between fifty-one and fifty-seven. Because I, I don't think it's like that first interaction where you know the ricocheting bullet hits Jack and he falls into the vat of acid. I think it goes off the rails when that that poor um, um like. A European doctor can't fix Jack's face and he like smacks the glass and just kind of was like just giving up but laughing in the the manic moment of seeing his reflection. So that's probably close to the hour mark I would say.
1: I was just scrubbing ahead and obviously we're, I'm not going to play anything to interrupt our conversation but in that 51 57 minute time period you do have uh the, the journalists talking about the deadly makeup and the uh the smile oh. that comes about
0: oh so that's it so that would have happened a little bit earlier yeah than so that scene yeah uh,
1: yeah so it's starting to become unhinged at that point um i <laughs> i don't know if i'm that that's going into the the sort of weird self preservation hang ups I have with some of these genre movies uh where you know we've established in our last episode on Batman talking about uh porkins uh Star wars character as dirty cop I don't know where he gets the confidence to uh challenge uh someone that he verbalizes
0: uh, you are a nut job you're a well known nut job mhm inside man right like he he is a member of law enforcement that Gets paid off by this, you know, this criminal underground. So he feels like I'm fairly untouchable, right? Because even your boss's boss um, is in bed with me, while I'm also in bed with the police department that leaves you guys alone. So this low level, in his perspective, because he's, you know, most of the time he's dealing with his boss, uh, Jack. He's like, I can say whatever I want to, because you're not really gonna mess with me, because you'll mess up everything for everybody else. Um, And the line, which I'm
1: sure, the line here is, uh, "Better be sure," uh, from Jack. Uh, as his, uh, I mean, true lackey character, Bob, mm-hmm. <laughs> little Bob, I love Bob. Uh, got the fedora on, the long hair coming out from it, uh, smaller in stature, but he's there quickly with a gun to point at this dirty cop. Like, no, we will, we will cross those lines. If the if there's going to be a, a new regime in place, uh, there may not be a place for you, uh, in this particular right. world.
0: Um, well, at least with Bob, it's not just uh, like a one. Person on the other side having a story, right? Like Bob and Jack could just go back to to the boss and be like, "Man, he went crazy. We had to take him out." He said he's going to take everybody down. He wasn't happy right? with like, that sandwich. sandwich.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know that man likes to eat. He just wasn't satisfied. <laughs> just wasn't. And he that's not ketchup, <laughs> man. He had just talked to Arliss from HBO, and you know how annoying he is. He was a little high strung. Just you know, he stepped out of line real quick. this fell off. I wanted to uh, kind of. Tied into Batman Returns, because it's kind of the subtitle of this episode is The Future of Gotham. Now, in this particular scene, it's being talked about as far as the criminal aspect of it. Uh, But um, that's not too far off from our chosen uh, blockbuster. And this is probably the most direct comparison we'll ever get to Batman 89. It's the direct sequel. It's from the same filmmakers. It's the same man playing Batman and Michael Keaton. Uh, but they go much further as far as that. They make that the basic plot line that there's going to be a new criminal power uh, by making it Mm -hmm. a uh, political race uh, for mayor uh, with the penguin. Um, Just kind of quickly comparing the two, which sort of version of that do you prefer? Because in Batman returns, it's far more open. They're saying, okay, the the way to power is through established political means as far as I'll become mayor of Gotham city. And in this scene, um, it's the decision on who's going to rule, but there's no official title. It's just the the people who know know who run things, and it's right. you know sort of the Wizard of Oz thing. It's the the, the man behind the curtain. In this case, it's going to be Jack Nicholson's character.
0: I think in some regards, it follows uh, what you can say would be like some uh, tropes of uh, from a sociopolitical perspective, right? Like uh historically speaking you could make the argument that everything from like you know boxing fights being fixed or um you know what you know who has an investment with with you know governmental policy and you had to hide the bad side right like historically and then you get to like the you know the trump age and you can just be an outright dick and it doesn't matter
1: so you're saying trump is the penguin he runs on being a dickhead
0: (laughs) i'm being a dickhead and you're gonna have your dumbass penguin followers behind you with stuff strapped to their back ready to suicide out and that's where we are and so what what, until the trump age i would have said i like the you know you know the penguins come to power but when you talk about what's more realistic in a you know fantastical universe, probably everything with the Joker, right? Because you're just talking about, you know, criminals uh, paying off people and doing things behind the scenes. And, you know, most people aren't any wiser to that versus this grotesque, um, you know, human being with no political background whatsoever, um, presenting himself as a viable candidate <laughs> in this city. And people just being like, well, maybe he's got a, you know, a sentimental story. Uh, this is a guy we could root for that just sounds utterly preposterous and it kind of goes with you know when we're talking about this theme of the future right the future of gotham uh it what was you know it, in tim burton's mind he was like all right so this is the gotham that i presented in 1989 i am gonna take these pieces right and i'm just going to completely like throw them at the wall and amp everything up and make it darker and my my, my future of gotham is not a you know, like a, you know, a relatively normal, you know, just bad guy who happens to fall Vat of acid. It's a really, really dark, grotesque city. Um, that's quite Gothic in nature, right? He took his future, he took his Gotham and made it something almost you can make the argument that the two Gothams are quite different. Like, I mean, distinctly different in, in all reality, even though it is a direct sequel by the same director, you got a lot of the same actors, um, those two Gotham's are are really different from one, one another. The vibe, even when you just you know just pick any particular scene in the middle of the city, and it feels like two different uh, universes at times.
1: I think as a kid, it's funny. Like, and we'll get into it in our Batman Returns conversation. Um, I was not uh, a fan of the more broad aspects. I mean, you made a good point where we just kind of came out of four years of broad. I won't say comedy, but tragedy (laughs) having a penguin like character, uh, in charge. Um, but I probably, is it probably easier to grasp, uh, than, um, like I, I'm really struggling with, did I know what they were talking about in this scene in 89? Did I know that they were talking about who was really going to be in charge? Like it was really the power in the city? Probably not. I just felt like, oh, he's going to be the Joker and he's mean <laughs> to people. So he's probably going to be mean to that mean cop. And that's fine. Cause I don't like that character anyway, but, um, I-, I think it's the, the people that are stepped on. I probably have more of an appreciation in the, in Batman 89 to see, uh, that they each have some small sliver of backstory that they thought that they were in control of the city. And as you established, uh, like these characters well I mean even poor Bob eventually is going to be cast aside (laughs) here in in this quest for for power um so it's certainly something that plays better now I'm sure when I was a kid I was just uh, like I really just wanted Jack Nicholson to be in white face paint already like let's just get to it but
0: you want to just kind of hand it to you right like all the information this is this is the bad guy but you can make the argument that the stuff that isn't blatant in batman returns it isn't just presented to you as far darker right like we talked about this yeah you didn't know some of, you know some of those lines that the penguins throwing out in 92 we we understand that he's the mayor that he wants to be the mayor and he's gonna have power like we get all of that that arcs but it's the stuff that the kids weren't picking up which is why there's there's no you know batman forever with Tim Burton. The, the grubby fish hands that he's got those, yeah yeah yeah
1: so uh yeah I think we're going to get into Batman returns now which uh Derek said there could be no guest for cuz he wanted to, <laughs> he wanted as much of the uh the I guess the open mic uh time for him to talk about this one because as I said this is the only time we're going to get to go back to uh to Burton's mm. version of Batman so from here on out uh much less uh direct competition Uh, coming up but uh yeah this is one that uh i was looking forward to and you kind of accused me because i i did this for another podcast of mine for christmas and you basically uh said stepping out "Mm -hmm." on me (laughs) i had to pull a little little napier you know you're the jack palance in my podcast world where i'm like yeah i'll go talk batman returns but that one was just
0: about you're my guy
1: (laughs) (laughs) that was just for christmas Uh, This one, I don't think we even touch on that holiday aspect really much at all uh, in this one because we're way out of season for it. No, we didn't. We need to reshoot
0: it or re-record the whole episode. I
1: I do have a fear that once we get to the end of this long journey that you'll be like, well, it's time for minute by minute Batman Returns. (laughs) Time to go right back to it. And we'll just go the opposite way. We'll just be 89 blockbusters that came before. We'll just be going back into the 80s and 70s and Yeah subscribe to the grand gesture part two for so good i mentioned that derek don't that I'm, that's just Stop a throwaway it. idea right. all right so we're going it's to something. talk uh batman returns which is what derek loves more than anything life itself yes yes <laughs> wife child <laughs> all that.
0: admiring your handiwork touring the riot scene Gravely assessing the devastation. Upstanding mayor stuff. You're not the mayor. Things change. What do you want? Ah, the direct approach. I admire that in a man with a mask. (laughs) You don't really think you'll win, do you? Things change.
1: (sighs) Meow. saw first. Gotta fly! Alright. Ready to do Batman Returns here? Sure. So this is I guess a a holiday special even though we're recording this Christmas movie which came out in June of 1992 on Daylight Savings Day, which as old men, we have grumbled because <laughs> our knees are swelling up and <laughs> we didn't get the exact amount of sleep that we... Did. I'm drinking too much water. How much sleep do you, you get? Because I think you ignore that. Like I at least make an attempt to mm-hmm. have my Apple Watch, have that tracking, and I don't always hit it, especially at weekends, but I feel like you are still abusing your body as far as the <laughs> amount of sleep that you're supposed to get and ignoring Is it. Because
0: it. you'll get a text from me at like two thirty about whatever idiot thing I'm doing. There's and I know that. you're asleep. Like, like, that. i can't eat it in the morning.
1: Um, I'm also not appreciative that you've drawn, um, Dave of off screen death <laughs> into this routine. Cause I think this weekend I got a couple like two 40 AM texts. Um, now granted, uh, I'm not an animal, so all my devices do have my sleep mode schedule. So 9 p.m. on the dot, you know, just as we've <laughs> we've got our first hour of primetime television, I will not be interrupted. There'll be no notifications, no sounds, none of that. But it is, uh, it did cross
0: my mind where I'm like, oh, still doing it, still. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's terrible. It <clears throat> it's, um, I would say I'm probably up uh, until three most nights and then awake by nine, eight thirty or nine. So I get to sleep in. I will say that, right? Like, so even if it's a day, like I'm driving down to work, I'm probably not up any earlier than eight o'clock uh, at worst. So and it's worked out in that regard. Cause my, my kid wants to stay awake till about two himself now and then sleep in until noon, if he can help it. So it's like me and him are on the same schedule for better or for worse. Um, so yeah, the bullet for your, uh, your wife
1: and mother then like doing the valiant thing. Yeah. That's, that's how I, that's a complete can...
0: accident, but yeah. <laughs> right. Well then, but then she's often like, well, I don't ever get a moment where I'm not either working or like mothering because he doesn't go to sleep at like a 9am or 9pm where she at least gets maybe an hour or two to herself. Mm-hmm. It's like he outlasts her. So she's like, well, I'm retiring for the night. Uh, you know, I'll bid you adieu, but it, yeah, he, uh, he's still, he's still kicking. So it's I eventually
1: got to change the same exact conversations. I think where I'm the mother of this <laughs> pit bull to my wife, because I, I do leave, uh, earlier for work and I get home, you know, three four four thirty somewhere in there. Mm. Um, and it is time to do the walks, do the feedings, um, <sighs> make sure there's potty time, you know, make sure it's in the grass as far away from the home <laughs> as possible. Um, and I get him settled and unfortunately for her, she's been working late, um, cause mm. you know, in, in healthcare, COVID and all, all their right. protocols have wrecked havoc on, on normal business hours. And, uh, so when she gets home, let's say it's like, she's supposed to get home at like six, six thirty, She's home at seven thirty eight. Well, he's been settled and mm-hmm. then mommy comes home and it's time to play again with a new person. <laughs> right. And, uh. I've not been kind about this. I've definitely been <laughs> Just pushing. Okay, like, yeah, it's your turn. I've I'm been done. the homestead where I'm like, I swear I can't get a minute to, <laughs> to think about Batman. <laughs> <laughs> I go to work and I come home and I start it again with the child rearing. So yes, I uh it has given me new consideration for especially single parents, I guess, across mm-hmm. the country. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. And it's also, as you well know, Derek, has not encouraged me to ever procreate if I'm feeling this way by a dog, where it is socially acceptable to put them in a cage every right. day. to get
0: away. Well, I will say this, because uh, my son's going on three. He'll be uh, three in about five or six months. Still takes like a um, four-hour nap, three or four-hour nap oh, nice. in one, in one, you know, just condensed sleep. So it'll be wake up at uh, probably 1130 today but because he don't sleep enough at night around 330 he'll be like you know what I'll catch you guys later at seven so I do get that big big break still every day (laughs) to watch Batman Returns again it's when I take a nap and then watch Uh, Batman Returns (laughs) so you
1: didn't want anyone on this episode no you wanted um, clear lanes to the basket open field (laughs) so I guess just go nuts Uh, So I do want to set the scene, I guess, just a little bit for our listeners, because I don't, I don't want them to get, I guess, your entirely skewed perspective on this, uh, in that while this was uh, a financial hit when this came out and was much anticipated, this is uh, pretty much the end of Batman 89, as we know it, and it's just because I think, from what I remember as a kid, I remember enjoying it, and I think... I probably went to see it like uh, in our from our small town, our local drive-in. Like I would see most new movies, especially big studio films like this. Um, I remember liking it more, but becoming concerned by how like my parents and other adults reacted to it. Where <laughs> I, it made me feel like there was something wrong with me, or like it's just it was very much a Last Jedi uh, hmm. effect, where I came out of Last Jedi and thought it was phenomenal, and then I get online and people are like wanting to murder the filmmakers for it. And the the disconnect between what I felt and what I was seeing other people, maybe not as extreme. Although I can imagine an alternate world where Batman returns got that very same reaction on the internet, except I was just seeing adults and people who I thought, well, they know better than me. (laughs) Like, you know, my stupid child brain, what is it? But they seemed, uh, shook by Batman returns Mm. that they didn't with Batman 89. So I just want to know if you, Experience that, or maybe you can speak to uh, where, uh, I guess, Burton and company went a little bit left of the dial here from 89 to go
0: a little bit stranger and kinkier, if we're being fair. (laughs) And that might be an understatement, quite honestly, (laughs) as I'm sure we'll get to some of the quotes. You know, it's a a situation where you can kind of tell. It's like, all right, Burton, we're just going to let you, we're going to be hands off because we know you know, how much of a success, uh, Batman was. And he took that and he was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to do whatever I want to. I'm going to do my Edward Scissorhands version, uh, of a Batman. You thought that the first film was weird enough. Oh no. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just going to go full tilt here. And looking back and I would have been, you know, obviously like too young to have watched it at the time or to have even known like how the, the perception of it was. Right. But man alive, I you almost question like, how are you not self-aware enough to know that this isn't going to play well? Like some of these themes that he introduces into his universe. You're talking about like a you know one of a. I'm not gonna say one of the great filmmakers or anything like that, but he was turned. He had a nice little run, uh, a string of films that most people enjoyed quite a bit, right? That are in some ways cult classics. And this is not one of those for <laughs> for a lot of people for some really distinct reasons, and they were, and you know going back to what you're saying about wanting to have like other people on the show. It's like no, I want to be able to talk about the fact that I'm aware of why so many people wouldn't like this film, and I still love it. Right, like it's like I'm not gonna argue, like with um Tangible Teddy, who would I'm sure just shit all over this movie, uh, because that's what he does, or talk about something, uh, hyper specific, where we
1: would end up, uh, you know, bogged down for thirty minutes on the Michelle beat Popper on right. putting a bird beat in your mouth, out. right?
0: <laughs> it's like uh, man, but but I mean, it's one of those like I. And we've, we've, I'm sure we, you know, you've experienced this, like a film that you know is deeply flawed, but you don't care. And that's, that's exactly how I feel about uh, this movie. Um, and the reason I was like, no other guesses is because I know, that I'm pretty sure that you feel very similar about this film as well, right? Like you get why it, it didn't play well, especially with like adults. They're expecting to take their kid to a, kid movie
1: yeah it, it is strange though having you know doing this project um because i'm sure probably when batman begins came out and they released all these uh, extra um, features for the original on on dvd like a new new set of uh, batman batman returns i'm pretty sure i i may have just bought these two i think i ended up buying the other ones on blu-ray um years later uh, yeah. like at a black Friday sale. But I think I was even being the, uh, movie snob for the Schumacher stuff. I was like, well, I don't, I don't need to hear their explanations for that, which is, you know, when we do get to those movies, cause you know, this has become a Batman focused, uh, season that we're doing. Um, The Schumacher stuff is probably the most interesting on Batman Robin because it's just totally like a mea culpa. Like, Mm. yeah, fuck that one up. (laughs) you Don't (laughs) don't hear that level of honesty. And there's a little bit of that with Burton in some of these where it's like him shrugging his shoulders saying like, well, I dug it. And (laughs) he had a lot of success with the first one. And I think that's the stuff I'm struggling with on rewatch for this podcast is that you see a little bit of that strangeness with 89 and they pushed it into this dark territory to great financial success creating mm. basically the the modern opening weekend blockbuster like what star wars and jaws did they did for see it the first 3 days that's you know that's yeah. where batman came in the picture and i could see them saying like well let's just keep pushing it that way that people like this like we're we're giving them a serious batman Uh, I pulled up Rotten Tomatoes, and I was actually kind of surprised. It does have like an 80% critically and 74% from the audience. That's surprising. But the reviews, whether they're negative or positive, strange, just keeps coming up. (laughs) (laughs) So it's almost one of those things that you either like, it's weirdness, Mm. or you dislike it. And I think you're exactly right. It's an easy one to be like, yeah, I can see someone not being into this. It's not It's not a moment where where I had with Last Jedi where I'm like, all right, back to classic Star Wars. And then what I discovered is people, when they want classic Star Wars, they want Luke Skywalker at fucking 70 years old with an sure. ass. And, you know, Harrison Ford coming back from the dead and shooting with a giant Wookiee and all of that nonsense. This goes a slightly different direction. One in which I could see Michael Keaton not being that enthused and maybe why he, you know, Left the franchise um because it definitely does feel like Burton has a lot to say about the villains, but probably no much no
0: much but, more to say about Batman himself, but and don't they always like i mean that's I mean it's the same thing with the Nolan verse right I think
1: Nolan attempts to say more about Bruce Wayne. I don't know if he has anything more to say about Batman, Batman like because all the yeah. conversation about Batman are usually some sort of familial connection to Bruce saying like, why why are you doing this to yourself? Um, But you're right. Like anytime that you put on the the cow here, I think the the difference here is that at least with the Michael Keaton portrayal of uh, Bruce, probably what's most different from later incarnations is that, He seems exactly as fucked up as weird as he does when he's in (laughs) the bat suit. Like he's he's usually silent.
0: Don't you love that? Sitting in a
1: sitting in a dark room, just staring. Like
0: (laughs) I love the idea that he's he's um, you know not gotten to this place where he's had a a, a level of mastery about these two personas. Right? He is bat. We and we you know they talk about this all the time. The cow, right, is Bruce Wayne. Um, and the reality is, is that if you have a guy that would be this screwed up, it's not inconceivable that when he's not in the company of other people, which he has to kind of play up the Bruce Wayne stuff, he just sits in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I, which, now that reminds me of why I love that scene so much. Of him just sitting in the dark, like, just staring off into space, <laughs> just waiting for the spotlight. There's no TV, like this,
1: no radio on, nothing. nothing. Uh, he's surrounded not,
0: by books. Yeah. Not even that. he's probably that. not read. <laughs>
1: it it's probably my favorite thing about returns that you see so let, let's do a counterpoint like my probably my favorite batman story strangely i mean we're getting back into returns territory is probably rises as far as like a, a movie version of batman mm-hmm. i i love the idea of <laughs> when can this man quit like that's yeah. uh, like that is the sort of and considering that was the third part of a defined trilogy might as well tackle that. Like we know we have right. an endpoint point here. Um, I, I like this idea in the Burton verse that if we have no interest in the separation of, of Bruce and the superhero that he plays, if there's, if there's not, if they are one and the same, that the only time he can show any degree of comfort with this strange lifestyle of his is when Catwoman comes into the mix and you see glimmers of joy, um now arousal yes i mm. was reading on the wikipedia there's some commentary from the uh, screenwriter that they brought on that had worked on uh heather's uh iconic uh 80s uh teen movie actually defined a lot of teen movies that like ripped it off into the 90s and early 2000s mean girls yeah. but he <laughs> accused the original drafts by sam Ham, who uh, worked on the 89 film of sexualizing Catwoman and just leaving it at (laughs) that. And I'm like, well, maybe you need to talk to a young boy in Kentucky who started to have some feelings one way or another about this Catwoman. I'm like, I think you still did that. I'm pretty damn sure that the way Keaton plays it was great interest. And whatever this freak show is, um, now your mileage may vary as far as how much when they get into the melodrama of that aspect, uh, how cool you are with it. Like the, the scene at the, uh, the party
0: where oh, I love it. Okay. So you're down for that. I am totally down for that. Okay. And not just <laughs> one I, as a kid, right. I thought that the whole, um, mistletoe, uh, you know, dialogue that they pull back to was neat. Now I'm like, okay, that may be the only moment that this slightly corny to me. But if I'm being honest, uh, their moment of clarity is not just that uh, okay you're you're Batman and I'm Catwoman. It's that oh you're as effed up as I am. Like that's that's her real moment where she's like wait a minute I am not the only crazy person. Uh, this guy that I actually like that I'm that I've gravitated towards oh thank God he's like he's just as insane as I am. And I've always found that to be incredibly interesting about uh, their dynamic and their relationship. You you can't. If you're, again, if you are a, um, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne, you, you're not ending up with the Rachel Dawes. That's just, I mean. That's, no
1: one made sure of that.
0: <laughs> Two yeah. actresses and then one death. <laughs> it's it wonderful. Off. I'm so glad that she's dead. I really am. <laughs> I was, well, I mean, I, I'm being honest there. But when you look at, um, and it's an interesting parallel that you made where we talked about locking Dark Knight Rises and locking Batman Returns. I would say that that camp, right, the folks that liked, like, one of those films is probably more likely to like the other one as well. And the reason that I say that is, one, that applies to, to you and, and to me in that regard. And a lot of the things that people don't like about those films are the same things that I'm often, like, championing about them, right? Like, yeah, I do like that this feels a little bit more, I guess you could say, comic booky Because it's a comic book film, right? Like, it's... I am so mad that, that uh, there's a person that looks like a penguin, right? And has a beak for a nose. What are you expecting with this? <laughs> it, I mean, it's... If if there's anything that could be said, it's that Tim Burton actually played it a little safe with Batman, right? Like, like looking back on it, it's like, no, Batman Returns is way more Tim Burton-esque property than what Batman actually was. And so... I get people being shocked at the time, but again, in retrospect, this was his, his actual definitive Batman story.
1: Yeah. I would say if you're getting into weirder territory and we're, we're recording this, as I I mentioned with this horrific uh, hour that we lost uh, this weekend, Uh, days, I guess, I think days before. um, Yeah. I think it's the 18th that uh, Hmm. Zack Snyder's justice league comes out and i would say his batman uh which you know we're going to we're going to get to that that's going to be on the list as well um is probably the strangest overall character and that that may be due to the my general impressions i think it's you know shared by the majority that uh his superhero films are generally kind of a mess a mess of ideas right um and they don't really stop uh, and take a breather, even though I guess HBO is gonna fix that and give him <laughs> give him four hours in his version of justice league to to do that uh so I guess I don't mind as much the sort of blank slate aspect of Batman here, even though I can see why maybe Keaton would lose interest in and in just kind of stand and in, in reacting he's a very passive character in returns um and I would say that there's it's because there's less less detective work then with the the joker maybe maybe the with the origin story it's just like what is this we've never experienced this before i need to try to get on that level well we've seen that level before and now you know this
0: is a little bit of the sequel we're at now
1: (laughs) we're just gonna double down and give you two of them
0: (laughs) that's what we're gonna do it's like I have this level of crazy, and now it's like oh, I'm not surprised at all right. if uh, a traveling circus, you know, <laughs> kid- kidnaps the Snow Queen or whatever the hell that is. <laughs> like this is completely logical now, and you know they talk about this in the uh, in in the comics all the time of Batman. Batman's level of crazy and theatricality introducing that level of crazy and theatricality in his villains. Right. The one thing I will say about about uh, Bruce Wayne and Batman in this regard. And it, then that I actually kind of like, it's one of the few uh, second chapters that doesn't feel the need to, like, give you all this extra backstory about why he's back. Like, we know, right? Parents did all that kind of stuff. But most of the time, you would get some, some sort of long drawn out. And this is another moment in his life that was so defining that led him to this place. There's none of that, right? I mean, it's like Batman Returns. We're just going to keep like pushing forward with our narrative, with our story, um, and you're just going to see more brooding shots. But he's completely comfortable now in you know, attaching bombs to people's uh, <laughs> th- stomachs and throwing them off balconies, which seems unnecessary because you're about to blow up anyway. Do you okay on that on
1: that note? Do you ever get the sense? And they the villains here try to uh, hit those notes repeatedly as they mm. have this strange political plot to make this uh disgusting sewer creature the mayor um who has no tact whatsoever he has no i mean <laughs> but neither did our former president so maybe it, it works if it's actually just... a great point that i yeah. did not think about <laughs> he's uh, the
0: template he is the template for uh donald
1: trump yeah i try not to think about uh him as much yeah. but it's it's hard not to uh, i would say probably as a kid that was probably the subplot i liked the least i didn't really get into i didn't care about the penguin becoming mayor um i just wanted to, as you said i just wanted to see more of his circus gang and uh mm. you know fucking with batman's car and, and all of that um but there is in the the plot of the film and i couldn't help but slightly agree that man for an outsider Uh, Batman is right on penguins bullshit immediately (laughs) for a guy that has his own hangups and family tragedy. He's like, I don't believe that for a second. (laughs) Mm. This guy's a fraud and I'm going to show the world. He's a fraud. Like maybe give him two seconds before you, you know, Batman, but immediately this guy's a
0: liar and I will take him down. Is he jealous of like, (laughs) I'm Bruce White. I'm the only orphan in this city. Right. And so now there's someone who has a, like a worse like uh, you know, pity party bullshit story than you do. Like my parents weren't shot when I was eight. My parents didn't like me any at any fucking point in my life. They threw me down the sewer. <laughs> Maybe that's part of it. I don't know, but I I do love the the scene where I don't even think he means it. When um, I think Alfred's talking to him and like penguins on the TV. It's like the first time he sees him, and he's talking to Alfred. and He's like, I hope he finds his family <laughs> or something. <laughs> And if you could if this were like a sitcom, he'd like smirk and walk out of the room because I don't think he means it at all. That's fine, uh,
1: you know, orphan baby that was thrown in the sewer. But as soon as you aspire for power and to create change in this city, I think I'm not. dead in that shit.
0: <laughs> I, I do love that. I, like, there, I'll say this: I, I agree with you in that. Like a lot of the penguin stuff. I find Penguin interesting because he's grotesque. I don't necessarily find his his stuff with Max Shrek super, super... Yeah, like, that's the one stuff that I, I could take it or leave it. But those moments where, like, Bruce, or Batman and, and Penguin are together on screen, that's when you really realize, like, how dark this film kind of is. Um, well, actually, when any of the three are on the film, or on a screen together, that's when you get, like, that sense of discomfort. Even, like, the mood... The lighting, right? Everything's in, like, all black. All three characters are wearing all black. It's snowing. It's cold as hell. And, you know, they're talking about, like, underlying sexual themes. Like, you feel dirty during the Yuletide season, right? It's very (laughs) um, Eyes Wide Shut-esque in that regard. Do you ever feel uh, with that... I mean, it's introduced by
1: Michelle Pfeiffer, and I'm sorry, screenwriter of Heathers. But, yes, there is sexual... Tension, maybe not chemistry all around, because as we've mentioned, Dane DeVito as the penguin is disgusting and disturbing. This, this um, is where Teddy
0: would have paused you, and yeah, talked about it for yeah, an hour. There have been
1: 15 minutes about his love of little DeVito, men. dick and whatever. <laughs> little men with, huge, I was going to say a huge nose, but yes, he would go a different direction. You're right. Uh, check all the boxes going back to my ideas, Bruce Wayne and Batman is like the high school quarterback. Do you find it darkly amusing that when the three of them are together, both men are looking at this woman. Like I would like to have her. Hmm. And the film plays it. Like when the penguin comes onto her, it's like, don't be a fucking idiot. <laughs> like, but <laughs> but when, when a man in a latex bat suit does the same thing, it's like, yeah, this seems right. Like there's this, it's this weird uh, line in the sand. Even we're drawing as an audience as far as our freaks have to be of uh, a certain attractiveness level, even though what all of them are doing is inherently ridiculous. (laughs) These are the good freaks, and that's the the bad freaks. I I think that may be the one I have against the film is that the penguin is out and out evil before he gets, uh, from at least what we see, a reaction Mm. from society. I can see this guy... You know, being disturbed because of his upbringing, raised by actual penguins in a sewer, and hanging out with clowns that stumbled their way the into things we let
0: his trash we let go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but he is—he's uh, ready for revenge against the whole city, pretty much from the word go. Mm. And I think <laughs> I might have enjoyed—I uh, guess having a little bit more sympathy, not the unchecked sympathy that Teddy would have for penguin here. Of if people were constantly belittling, patronizing, and kind of shitting on him, like, oh, you you think that that woman dressed uh, in a tight cat suit would ever be for you, even though she's blowing up a <laughs> shopping mall? She's like, you've lost your mind, penguin. Him constantly being like, all right, I've tried to reintegrate in society, and society tells me that here's my place here. I could see that. I could see him then uh, becoming completely unhinged but the movie does play it like he's unhinged to begin
0: with well he's a sexual like deviant the entire time in this movie and so like there are moments where you could feel bad for his existence being thrown into a, a sewer right and now he comes out and he's pissed off at the world howard doesn't he attack a cat in the very first sequence is like a toddler yeah, yeah. Like, so they so there's something. Uh, grotesque about him from jump not just his physical appearances yeah Wee herman appearance. as pop pop is like mm, yeah out in the river try again <laughs> the more we talk about this movie the more like our viewers our listeners are like are they are we sure that they like this movie <laughs> everything they mention it's like and that's absurd and that's absurd but, it's, but i mean it's, it is
1: it's honest about its absurdity yes from that opening sequence Um, and I, I think that, I mean, I I doubt we'd ever see anything like this again, uh, with this type of budget with a, like mainstream wide release, a sequel that that goes that far. I mentioned Zack Snyder, um, and his version of Batman being kind of off putting. Um, but even he doesn't attempt that level of harshness with his heroes. Like he's treating them as misunderstood gods as opposed to.
0: No, completely understood monsters that need to be <laughs> abolished. <laughs> we got it. it. I mean, Burton did treat, like you and I think you mentioned this earlier when you were saying three freaks, right? Like, there's, there's no differentiation just from the optics of it between Batman, uh, Catwoman, and Penguin all outside of that. Sure, right. If I if I were driving by, I I would say, look at all three of those like fucking weirdos, (laughs) (laughs) and would probably point and laugh, even with the one with sculpted muscles on his chest, because they're all they're all because you wear the muscles either. No, I know those are. (laughs) I know what's underneath that. Nothing to write home about,
1: but (laughs) because it's a man who just sits and stews. no exercise none none at least i guess in 89 we get you know vicky vale wakes up to him uh, upside down yeah doing his pull-ups or whatever upside down like a bat but uh i think um (laughs) this version of bruce is satisfied with what he's done in the world like i'm good i can just show up i'll show up and surely to god my next nemesis will be a short squat obese half bird man that is as you said just a sexual deviant just keep him away from the lady folks and everything will be fine
0: when you think about and how, his noses too obviously oh my gosh when when you think about how uh, unimpressive actually that uh that bruce plays this where he's gray turtleneck sweater and <laughs> blue je- like dad jeans and and tennis shoes those spectacles. You're right. He's like, I don't have to try as long as it's like <laughs> little people that I'm, <laughs> I'm fending off the rest of the way. Do you have an issue with how hypersexual things seem in this movie? Because I really wasn't. I mean, like you have those moments with like the Joker, you know, going when well, it's kind of very similar, where the Joker's locking Vicky Vale and Batman's Vicky Vale, all that kind of stuff. Catwoman's, I mean, really the same thing, except she's kind of bad now, right? But the way they play up the sexuality, there are times in which I absolutely love it. Um, obviously with Catwoman most of the time, but then there are the moments where it's like, this doesn't feel necessary to put a pin on a teenage girl's lapel. mm and I'm glad you
1: mentioned that because I was about to go all in, like, "Oh, it's absolutely necessary." Oh I'm like, God. then I was like, "Well,
0: okay, we, we <laughs> have, have that. to have this." In the, like, is Burton sitting there and be like, "That has to play," like this, that has to be in, and then he immediately has to go upstairs and and talk about uh, Catwoman being just what he was waiting for on the bed. Like, they, I mean, they they go hard in the paint with this stuff. I think with Catwoman, it's acceptable
1: because she pretty much. Once she, she she becomes Catwoman, um, this new persona after she's thrown out of a building by her <laughs>
0: boss. Um, so many hits with this movie.
1: Yeah. So many- <laughs> after that, I think you know she's totally in control. Now she's not probably not in control of her uh, her decision making as far as for her own well being. Um, right. Which you know it's introduced pretty late in the game. You know that she's she's got a literal nine lives it's not just it's like oh she's got some sort of superhuman strength or whatever it's like no she's she's going to introduce that into the continuity that's like you can kill me six more times and i'm still good to go i think when she shows up what's kind of off-putting or maybe what was off-putting to my (laughs) parents or adults was it's a woman um realizing sort of her sexual control over other men and reveling in it and using it. Weaponizing it, yeah. quite honestly. Because uh, when you when you throw it back to Jack Nicholson, yeah, uh, he definitely had similar aims with the Vicky Vale character played by Kim Basinger. But she, for the most part, was the damsel in distress. Um, that's not knocking some of their interactions, because I like her uh, sort of shit-talking the Joker, too, <laughs> at times. Like, <laughs> look, you've pushed me in a corner on this date I didn't want to go on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually it's like, I have to call you for what you are, which is uh a man who looks like a clown now. Like there's no no talking about it. Do I look it. like I'm joking in <laughs> yeah. her face? Just yeah. Like, yeah, dumbass. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so I, I do like her uh chemistry with Jack Nicholson there. I think the thing is, Jack Nicholson also brings his own baggage of being uh a charming cad. So even when he looks like a clown, um, it's there's some comfort level with him right. even when he's forcing himself on a woman and I'm not apologizing for this maniacal sociopath in a purple suit, but his version of forcing himself on a woman is still some strange criminal courtship. I'm going to take, we're going to go on a date. We're going to dance. I'm going
0: to paint shit purple and green. Just so you know, Uh, it's me.
1: DeVito's is I'm going to grab a tit as fast as I can. Like there's, there is a difference (laughs) in in the, the speed. Uh, and also, you know, no knock against DeVito, sorry, Teddy, but maybe people would have accepted it more with Jack Nicholson than uh, an even uglier version of Dane DeVito. But I do think it is Catwoman. I mean, I think she's the thing that no matter if people dislike this movie, I feel like she's the one that mm. came across as like, oh, that now that's Catwoman. And so I mentioned sure. Rise earlier. I don't think that Anne Hathaway was successful in entering the pop culture consciousness as Catwoman, like Michelle Pfeiffer, still remains, I think, to this day, as far as uh, a filmed version of it. Uh, you could go to
0: maybe Julie Newmar, I think. Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, the. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the series. Um,
1: mm-hmm. But because, you know.
0: Shout out to Boomerang.
1: Shout out, you know that episode's still not up yet? We recorded uh, that. No, like, wait I a minute. For it. I, I don't edit uh, Marcus Plage. That one's not on me. I sent my files over. Uh, Hiro's is all. Uh, ready and gung-ho about it. I think that he's just keeping it for his own personal collection. Uh, collection. He just listens to
0: <laughs> people
1: agree with them. <laughs> the boomerang is great. Uh, yeah. Check out Marcus played whenever that shows up. So no help to you now. I, I think that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer is what her, her character is what scared and attracted uh, audiences. And I think mm-hmm. it's very similar to Batman's reaction here. There's something off-putting about a woman sort of uh, taking the superhero by the hand and saying, here's what we're going to do, and when I say stop, (laughs) I'm going to stab you, and when I say go, we're going to make out. (laughs) And there's some sort of titillation there, titillation and fear uh, from audiences. But yeah, I would say Michelle Pfeiffer is the one that came out relatively unscathed, even though she probably has the bigger hand in the tone of the film, which is also strange that the secondary villain... Ends up really sort of dominating the third act. Maybe it's also as they're filming it, them just knowing what they had with her as Catwoman. They're like, "Oh, more of that," because you've already made jokes on previous episodes that did not happen with Tommy Lee Jones's Two Face. He is the no. sidekick to the Riddler uh, in Batman Forever. Not not as uh, successful as a duo. So why
0: why did or does that Catwoman have such I guess staying power? Is it the is it just a combination of everything? It being Michelle Pfeiffer, it being the allow the allowance of her sexuality to show, uh, the the I mean even the very weird decision for the the cat suit just being kind of like uh, the stripped up lines, whatever that is, I don't know. But like, it's iconic. Like she's it's wearing a, scars on her body it's, with the It's amazing yeah. when you really think about. And we could you could you know point to so many different things that were. What most people would consider shit, right? But that's a risky decision to go with that as an as the the outfit of a very iconic character because it works. And when you talk about like Anne Hathaway's uh just her presentation she's just she's lacking in like that um like dripping with like sensuality. She does she just doesn't have that as it's portrayed in this film.
1: Yeah, she's not I mean, the one thing you can say about uh, Batman Returns with its really leaning leaning into the uh the animalistic side of the characters, mm. like <clears throat> Burton's decision that it's not just a gangster who looks kinda funny and so he got the nickname, the penguin, uh, or a woman in a cat suit that's a cat burglar being catwoman and just a, a a jewel thief. No, we're gonna have literal cats uh imbue her with some sort of powers, like as she's been thrown from building and bring her back to life there's certainly something way more exotic than Anne Hathaway, yeah. but also in their portrayal there's, and what I really like when we, you know, it's going to be way down the line, I guess, because we're in 92 and dark Knight <laughs> rises is 2012. Um, when we get to that blockbuster, uh, what I really like about Anne Hathaway's performance and though not as iconic is that there's just a, uh, a direct harshness to her character. Mm. Um, they, I think they made a conscious choice to remove the sort of, flirtation aspect of Catwoman with her, uh, which I liked that is still here. Um, there is still the cat burglar aspect of Selina Kyle here, but her, her arc is also more simple. It's a simple movie hook of vengeance. It's right. It's kill bill. And uh, I was going to say universe. like a
0: sexploitation, yeah. rape revenge kind of mm-hmm. situation. And it works It uh, to me. Even, even though I don't, like, love the Max Shrek character necessarily, I, I like the idea that her, her art begins with her grabbing him coffee and him just being like, you know what? I can just put you, push you out of a fucking window and nothing will happen. <laughs> no one will, will ask questions the next day when my secretary is pushed out of the window of my office if I happen to know anything about what happened to her. Like, I have that level of power. It's ridiculous, right? It, the entire thing's absurd. But for it to come back around and him not be able to kill her um, and her to have such a level of control, even about her own destiny, right? Like she's saying, I'm the one that's going to decide when this ninth life is about to be taken out with this kiss. I mean, that's really, that's really pushing the envelope. Like like Burton has to know people are going to hate this, but this is awesome.
1: And it's also, uh, it's worth it to me with these strange new cat powers I have. I'll just toss off a lot of power. I'll just toss it off and give you a kiss and kill myself as I'm killing you. Yeah. Because why not? I like yeah. after basically my goal is to make sure you don't exist on this planet anymore. I don't care. I don't care what, you know, if it's wasteful or not, uh, there's no, <laughs> there's no, cheesy sort of gamer mentality of hers of like, no, if I save this life, you know, it's for the next level, there is no next level for her. <laughs> it's just killing Christopher Walken in uh, an extremely cinematic way. Uh, although it goes back to what I said of uh, the general theme with her, you know, maybe women in general is men fearing and yet being titillated right. <laughs> by that woman in control. Cause his, his death is, Getting to make out with Michelle Pfeiffer as electricity surges through his body and ends as it him.
0: would for any of us, so completely so not normal, bad. not really yeah. that bad. I know people don't like the the choices of like how she became Catwoman, but I go back to again. We have a Joker who became a Joker in the last movie just because he fell in a vat mm-hmm. of acid in a factory and somehow. It's completely normal that his skin would be bleached white and his hair's bleached green and he's able to dye his hair brown really quickly. Like, you'd have to just suspend belief in some of these things, right? And everybody's like, I can't believe she fell out of a window and cats start licking her or her I start rolling back. So what? So, like, <laughs> go, just go with it, man. We've already accepted the horrible penguin man, you know, being in a sewer like 10 minutes ago. You can't accept a woman falling out of a window and being supercharged. Uh, it happens. There is a
1: streamlined nature to it that I do appreciate. Like I mentioned, the Snyder stuff having a lot of ideas. Mm. Some they explain, some they don't, but they also feel the need to. You know, they make. Uh, like, I, I just rewatched um, Batman vs. Superman for uh, Trilogy and Theory, which I know you hate because we did a Christmas episode of Batman Returns. And uh, I can only just blame my co host who has really gotten back into comics in a hardcore way, I think, uh during COVID, he really started collecting so it's almost every month we're putting together a theme. He's trying to get in at least one superhero movie. <laughs> and so uh that one fit our theme this month of versus movies. But so that's why I have it on the brain. There's a sequence where uh Bruce is a child when he, you know, runs from the funeral and, and falls in and, in and the cave and uh he's lifted up by the bats like it like he's like floating like flying with them having just watched returns i'm like oh is that are they doing that in this one like they're and then it's like no it's a it's a dream so it's like it's interesting it's like they don't want to go as far because i feel like burton would just fucking have a little bruce just flying with bats (laughs) and (laughs) and you're just gonna fucking deal
0: with it (laughs) yeah Uh, you're right they don't there's not an inherent need to explain why this can't exist in a real world, right? Like, that's that's what we see, obviously, with comic oh, films. Uh, Max Schreck had,
1: pose, had uh, exposed Selena Kyle to some sort of chemical agent that attracted <laughs> cats and would give her the ability to uh, be reincarnated, to live again like that. No, that Wouldn't that be ridiculous? All that stuff's mumbo-jumbo anyway, and it's You're all right. made up. So what does it matter? Who cares?
0: And I think that's the point. And I think that's why, for me, and it sounds like for you, th- this film works because they accept the absurdity. Without telling the viewer, hey, do you want to know how this could exist in your hometown? Like, these chemicals exist in real life. And this is what would cost. No, I don't need this. This is Tim Burton's Gotham City. uh, And in this Gotham City, you know what? Crazy shit like this just happens every day. And Bruce isn't surprised by it. So why are you right? Like he lives here. He's the one that should be like freaking out. Like where are all these these damn penguins and cats and <laughs> motherfuckers coming from? Like he's not doing that. He's just like oh, the the you know the the signals on bets another, like human walking around like an animal because of me. Like he, or, he goes. Thank with
1: God it. now I have something to do. <laughs> otherwise I would just sit in silence in this dark room.
0: It is interesting when you th- when you say that that how few. And I've seen this movie so many times. Um, but I, even right now I'm I'm having trouble processing like how few actual Bruce Wayne <laughs> like scenes you actually get.
1: In, in eighty nine at least he throws a party. He attempts yeah, fails. He is totally uncomfortable in his own skin. He wants to get into the latex suit immediately. But there's an attempt, uh as as he's um giving uh giving out grants and uh talking about his <laughs> you know, his armor collection, his suits of armor here. I mean, they have stripped it down to just, he's just, he's just now Batman. That's it. There's no more Bruce Wayne. Um, and I, do you like
0: that or, or does that bother you a little bit?
1: I was about to say, you know, in modern, if we want to say, I guess modern superhero movies start like either, uh, X-Men or Spider-Man, like in the early two thousands, uh, in particular with the Sam Raimi, Told McGuire stuff. I remember that being a common complaint. Like, God damn it, the mask is always coming off, <laughs> so we're always looking at fucking Toby's face when I just want to see Spider Man. Sure, uh, I think back then that that may have been a complaint. I think that we just weren't as consumed by just the 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 trademark character. um And it's interesting, like, because when Keaton, you know, th- this is his last performance here until presumably our last episode in the series with the Flash when he makes his, I guess we hope, triumphant return, according to rumors, uh, as Batman. Um, This was like a big deal when he he left the franchise. Now, I mean, it would just be like, oh, who who do you think the next one's going to be? Like, it's just so like when Ben Affleck takes uh, the cow, you know, you have an understanding that this may be for a few movies. And then I wonder, you know, are we going to finally get, uh, you know, I always wanted uh, Idris Elba. To play Hmm. Batman. Because I thought. If you're going for. That version. Like kind of what they went with Affleck. That you're going for this huge sort of imposing physical presence. Right. Then you'd go with that. Which no knock against Keaton. We've already discussed. uh, Is not that. That's why you got to go shorter with the villains. That's why you got to (laughs) go to.
0: Let me me defend him. Just once. He's a small man Derek. He's a small Batman. He's a small man. But his presentation and I know we've talked about it before, like uh, him saying, I, "I just put on the suit and playing Batman's like super easy." And since there's no scenes with Bruce Wayne, I mean, <laughs> this is cake, right? But there's something in his oh like stoic nature, right? Like his he, he's just got piercing eyes, and these moments, and maybe it's more about how it's how it's presented and shot than him actually physically doing anything. But I've always felt like every moment where Tim Burton, not Tim Burton's, but uh, well, yeah. Uh, Michael Keaton's Batman is on the screen I've I always felt if, growing up even as an adult today like god that's a it's a pretty badass guy and the only time I don't think that is when again the all three freaks are cosplaying <laughs> as I'm talking by. you remove that scene but like the <clears throat> that that uh, that specific scene where he shoots that whatever that bat thing that goes into the brick wall and then the clown's like you missed and batman's like oh you think so right <laughs> like it's to me it's it's like he purposely shot it behind the guy just so the guy could talk shit and then batman can knock him out and i've he's he's just very imposing so are you posting
1: sense. that kind of in this world that they've built around batman is he the only one in the film versions discounting Adam West, which is its own, you know, sure. tone that actually enjoys being Batman. Cause I mentioned, you know, Christian Bale, that whole trilogy hmm. is about when can I put this aside? Like it's a, it's a necessary evil uh, for my life of the things that I have to do uh, to sort of honor my family and protect the city that I, I love. Right. Um, and certainly in Ben Affleck's version, he is just playing it as he's just fucking pissed. He's fucking pissed that he has to do it. That he has to go, Beat the shit out of some alien being, but he there's an ego to his performance. It's like uh, I'm the only man enough to do this. I'm, I'm, I'm the only one with the biggest dick that can take on uh, a super this, powered alien. That's I don't Batman, get that from right? Keaton, but I do get no. joy from when he is in the the suit that he enjoys
0: being Batman. I think that's a a valid point. Not just no, I'll say this. Not only do I believe that to be a valid point, but I love the idea that Batman carries the burden of I've got to do this shit because nobody else can or, or no one else is quite as broken as me. <laughs> and I still feel as though, again, because Michael Keaton's sitting in the dark for no reason, <laughs> that he feels that burden. But it's kind of like, um, it's almost like why people got really hyped for uh, the, the trailer for the, the new Batman, right? Because there looked to be a level of pleasure when that in that one little scene in the trailer where it's like who are you supposed to be and batman just rages on him and just like beats the hell out of him in one Probably scene gets it's like about seven or eight more hits than necessary and that exactly. one exactly <laughs> and that might be the first time that i have thought about the fact that like like keaton's batman really likes this like obviously the Joel schumacher stuff and you mentioned um adam west like i put those in the same universe of like the camp. And so I'm not paying attention to about whether or not they like being Batman. I don't know what your, their Batman is, but the one that's supposed to have like the burden of this is a tough job. That is, um, my lot in life that I'm stuck with. At least I'm going to enjoy it by really breaking people down. And that's how he plays this spotlight comes on. It's like, I've, I've got to go to work. And that small smile, (laughs) like, Because he's crazy, right? Um, yeah, so, pro- so I guess to say, I say all that to mean probably, um, he's he's the one that's not going to retire, right? Unless he is forced to retire. And not because I mean, he feels like he has to, because he wants to, in some way.
1: How else is he going to meet women like Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> otherwise? Rather? Oh, Sure. Stand on a street corner and hope someone's doing fucking cartwheels out of an exploding building. That's, you have to be Batman. Freak speed dating.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's absurd. I mean, when we, we've talked about this for, I know for, for quite some time now, 50 minutes or so. This is probably about <laughs> double the size of our, our normal oh, <laughs> yeah. the content. And it's probably, at least for me, it's, it's probably not as quality as far as my thoughts are because This is a movie that I just love so much that I could just talk about specific scenes. I'll miss discussing like thematic elements because I'm just like, oh yeah, I remember how badass this one moment in this entire film was. But it is again, it is something that I think people have a certain level of appreciation for now, more so, obviously more so than than when it initially released. And because of what we had that came after that. Right, like there are still plenty of iconic aspects of Batman Returns. Everything from like you know Bruce even like, ripping off the cowl, right, and just having like the, the like callous verse. Uh, it's it's it was stuff you, you wouldn't have expected, things that you wouldn't have seen with any other superhero film around that time period. And looking back on it, I mean, we saw what happened when they were like, all right, Tim, you're done. All right, let's let's bring in. Our new heavy hitter with Schumacher, and and as we'll you know, I'm sure we'll talk about down the road, changing the tone. You didn't have to do a 180, right? Like like we see the misstep of them saying this is far far too dark. I'll never understand why they didn't think to just go with like a um, Batman level of tone, right? Like you could just pull back a little bit, but they they just completely jumped the other way. So <laughs> I was trying to look and see how far. Oh, uh, Batman Forever is,
1: and it looks like uh, 10 episodes down hmm. the list. Uh, you want to talk about changing the tone? <laughs> Do you know what's next <laughs> on our list of <laughs>
0: Batman-themed episodes? The next one we have after after this one? It's a Western. Oh, the... Are we talking about Unforgiven? Yep. That's the one where Teddy comes to play. <laughs> When, when when Teddy comes to town, that should be the subtitle for the, that episode. I'll just shut my mic off.
1: It, uh, I'm trying to go. think uh, if this is the last of the Best Picture winners that we have on our list, because we had Silence of the Lambs. Um, this may be it, I think, for our uh, blockbuster challenge to hmm. Batman. Um, nope, I take that back. Uh, Gladiator. So, we, we've got a couple of... Uh, I don't guess I can dare call them art house movies. I don't think I can call <laughs> Russell Crowe fighting tigers on chains and killing other men in an arena art house. But Unless that's how we would... want to sell the episode, maybe. But I mean, we'll have to, you know, in comparison to How the Grinch Stole Christmas or Meet the Parents. I guess we've got to... Now, is that
0: Robert De Niro's best movie, Meet the Parents? Uh, it doesn't matter uh,
1: until Teddy goes on the record about it, which he will. I'll, I'll make sure of that. <laughs> so, yeah, next... Uh, Batman-themed episode, we will be talking about uh, Unforgiven, and I assume if you want to subscribe to Patreon, I could uh, let Derek go for another hour on Batman (laughs) Returns (laughs) and give the extended cut.
0: (laughs) Fine, I'm fine, I'm done. It's fine. (laughs)